Hello everyone, welcome to episode 906 of Cold Wave Soundcheck. I'm Aaron Pollock. Cold Waves has returned for 2021 in Chicago, kicking off Thursday, September 23rd and running through Sunday the 26th at Metro, Smart Bar, and G-Man. Cold Waves is a celebration of Chicago's relationship with industrial music, the memory of a fallen brother, and a fundraiser for suicide prevention charities. For more information, including the full lineup and ticket links, head to coldwaves.net. This week, we're chatting with Thursday kickoff smart bar performer, Mark Truman. This is Choke Chain.
my first earliest influences for me, I feel kind of lucky because like I was exposed to like weirdo music like pretty early in my life because uh, my older brother was in like a pretty notable like 2000s like death rock like goth band back in the day. He was in a band called the Phantom Limbs from Oakland, California. So he would send me the records like when I was like super young, like kindergarten age and stuff. And so like I was like listening to that at that time, having no fucking idea what I was like listening to and like didn't understand it and stuff, you know. But like as I got older, like and like started to like understand the scene, you know what I mean? Like I consciously like made the choice that like this kind of shit was for me. And that kind of branched off into like punk music and just like goth music and then industrial eventually. And that's uh, that's kind of how I came to this conclusion of doing this project, I guess. Tell me about starting the band itself a couple of years ago. Were you doing anything before that? Yes. Uh, so I've, I played in like hardcore punk bands and like uh, metal bands and did that for a good few years uh, and did a lot of touring with. Uh, bands like that and stuff I've always kind of had a love for like industrial music in general after uh more than 10 years ago probably I was listening to Depeche Mode and then I I was talking to my brother on the phone and I was like hey recommend me more stuff like that he's like dude do you want to hear like Depeche Mode on acid you should hear you should listen to Skinny Puppy and so I was like I was like okay and so I listened to Two Dark Park and my fucking world was fucking changed but anyway so uh, I was playing in like hardcore punk bands and uh, like metal bands and stuff, and uh, I just kind of wanted to do an industrial thing. Uh, and I'm where I'm from in Wisconsin is like a pretty small area, so like there was like literally zero people to like do that sort of thing with. Um, so I just was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna like learn how to use synthesizers and shit," and just did it myself. I started like attempting to do things in like 2018, but I guess people outside of my small town have only known of my existence for like less than a year. When you started to decide that this is what I want to do, was that the sound that came out or, or do you have anything else that you haven't released where you were still sort of figuring out how you wanted to present yourself? I have some uh, pretty horrendously dreadful things from early, early on that like won't ever be no one will ever hear it, but, like, uh, when I started to get to the point where I was, like, starting to write, like, actual cohesive things, that the sound of that EP and of everything, like, subsequently was just, like, was just, like, me trying to, like, inject, like, punk rock into, like, industrial. I feel really good about it because I kind of feel like I'm being successful at it, I suppose. It makes me happy. Endless Death already seems like a, uh, like a big progression, even though it's however many months later. I've just become like a super nerd about this stuff, I guess, you know, just like do it all the time, try and learn as much as I can about production and uh, improving, improving it, you know, improving arrangements. When you do this like completely by yourself, like it's just all on you, you know, like you can't make excuses for any for anything because it's just yourself. And uh, so I kind of try and consciously like make an effort to improve every time going forward and with my new uh release that'll be out a little before the fest i feel like it's a, it's a huge improvement compared to from my first one to my second one so i'm really excited for people to hear it i saw that y- you were working with um cold waves alum eric eller from um dull device and uh clack how did you find him is that he's he's near the madison area 
He's in Madison. Yep. I'm from La Crosse, Wisconsin, but now I'm living in Milwaukee. But anyway, so I met Eric. He played at the at the only cool venue in my old smaller town. Uh, he played with like Covenant, uh, with Null Device, and so I met him there, just like one off, like whatever. But like it wasn't till recently when I met Matt Finale, who has been a huge proponent of me and like telling people about me and like helping me in general. Uh, he kind of like suggested that I go to Eric for mastering because uh, he does a good job and he doesn't make you pay a lot and. I agree with both of those sentiments, so I've just, I've just uh, kept kept going to him. Just yeah, I just like him as a person, you know. And I I, I love how he makes clack sound. So I mean, uh, it's just a no brainer for me. Yeah, Matt, Matt's one of those guys that's that's so passionate and and really takes care of his hometown scene. Like he he's looks like he's really trying to lift everyone up along with him. Absolutely, I'm so like thankful for him. Just like advocating for me in general you know he's a great guy with your first two eps already you you have someone interested in re-releasing them as a 12 inch tell me a little bit about that phage tapes from minneapolis contacted me wanted to do something like pretty pretty immediately after my uh, first ep came out just from like a mutual a friend of his that i know told him to listen to it and he really liked it Sam from Phage Tapes, he just really like believes in what I'm doing and is like just really stoked that like I've been getting traction like pretty quickly. And uh, I was just like, hey man, like, do you want to do a 12 inch of the first two? And he's just like, yeah, let's do it. So that's my first vinyl release ever, which is like a huge bucket list like thing for me. Like I haven't played any shows at all. Like I've I've only I've only ever played like four gigs in my small hometown ever. And then the pandemic happens, and then all of this stuff just quickly, quickly happens, and it's just, I don't know, it's crazy. I'm just stoked for the 12 inch to come out, I just can't even believe it. Everyone I talk to has completely different feelings about the pandemic as far as their creativity. Did you feel like it helped you, or or it hurt you? It gave me lots of time. So I've I'd been recently, up until recently, working as a stagehand, so the live events industry just stopped happening, you know what I mean? So I had a crazy amount of time to like sit down and really, I was like, okay, I'm going to like really try and do this like really seriously. And uh, it's just given me the, the opportunity to like, to really sit down and focus on it. It just gives me that, uh, just the time, you know, the time to just do it. But I mean, like, I don't really like that. Uh, there hasn't been able to, obviously there hasn't been able to be shows, but I've done some of those like live stream things to various degrees of success i suppose it's just learning how to do the whole video deal you know uh but as it went on i got better at doing it i guess yeah you did sanctuary right and i've also done stuff for uh strict tempo in seattle and uh for synthesize and dark energy in minneapolis and new york city andy's been all over the place (laughs) just doing a lot of good stuff for the scene also andy has also been a huge huge advocate for me and i'm very thankful for her as well so she's great how are all the venues doing over there did any of them have to shut down permanently or or were they able to hold on until things are starting to open up again so things that i'm like immediately aware of and things and venues that like are important to me i suppose that i like know about like have all been fine the venue in my hometown of La Crosse called The Warehouse uh, has been around for 30 years as a no-alcohol, 
all ages venue and has survived and is still surviving through the pandemic. Thank God. That's also a place that kind of got me into industrial because in the nineties there used to be industrial bands that would go through there and then there's flyers everywhere. So I'd always be like, huh, that looks like an industrial band and I'd go check them out or whatever. But anyway, the venues around here have been, been doing fine. Thankfully.
in my experience, it, it, it's usually, you know, the, the dancey beat music is sort of dancey and the lyrics don't really mean as much. And then, you know, the aggressive music is more experimental, you know, stuff like prurient and things like that. And that's, even if you don't understand the lyrics, they're, they're usually just very, you know, intense once you find them or figure that out. So you, you seem to have found some sort of a balance where it's super dancey and super aggressive. If someone gets out on the floor, you know, if they want to dance, they could dance. Or if they just had a bad day and they just want to tire themselves out, they could do that. Or, or some version of both of that. So that, again, just kind of stems from just my background and just like punk music, you know, uh, as far as like the keeping the aggressiveness like in it. And that just stems from like me, how I started the project. Like I wanted to be in a punk band. But I also really like doing like industrial goth stuff. So I, I really wanted to like meld my two influences into one thing. And uh, I really, really enjoy like super stompy, crazy, sick, like dance floor shit. Uh, but I also like really appreciate it when a band can just like be nasty, disgusting, like really angry, like release of energy. Uh, and I, I just try and try and channel that, I suppose. To me, when I first listened to your music, it, you know, you know, like Star Trek, when they had their their evil twins and the evil twins had the goatees and that's how you could tell them apart. I feel like you you sound you sounded to me like the evil twin of the gothicals. That was sort of my initial impression. First of all, Brian is awesome. I'm uh, I really like Brian and I've gotten that a few times, actually. My vocal style, I guess, just stems from just, it's just like, it's just me just like, really just like, being pissed, I don't know. The project for me is just me really trying to like, expel things that need to be expelled from my thought process out of me, you know, and like, like, leaving it in the music so I can like, be a more positive and like, less messed up person, I guess. Like I said, uh, the goth schools are great. Uh, we actually did a collab track together that has yet to be released, but it's awesome. Nice. I'm looking forward to that one. I feel like any any time Brian does something, he always he always comes with a, uh, a, a an interesting spin on something. I remember I told him that I think he owns my favorite song title, which was uh, I thought the MP3 was badly encoded, but it turned out it was just a cyanotic song or or something similar to that. It's just it just cracks me up, and I, I couldn't even tell you what the song sounds like, but I just remember that that's my favorite song title ever. Full stop. Both him and Matt Finale always have the best like like cra- like funniest song titles. I, I love both of them. You know, you've gotten re-reviews in a short amount of time from from the big tastemakers like I Die, You Die, and Post-Punk, and I even saw there was a webzine in Japan, and I was trying to copy and paste that into Google so I could translate it and see what they were saying. So how does it feel to have reached such a wide audience and, and, you know, have them all say such nice things in in such a short amount of time? I can't really believe it, because uh, like my first EP... Now, I don't think it's, like, the best thing in the world just because, like, I told myself, like, I'm going to learn to record and produce music, like, a month before I started recording that. You know what I mean? So, like, I've barely been doing this, like, I haven't been, I've only been producing music for, like, less than a year, like, mixing and everything. So, like, I can't believe that, like, people think, like, that EP is good 
it's just crazy. And like the second one, like I think it's a progression, you know, but like I just can't believe that like people are so receptive of it just because like I, I anticipated this to be a thing that like two people ever would listen to or maybe buy, you know, maybe. But like I can't even believe like how it's been going and it makes me just really happy because I just love doing it, you know. Yeah, and I, I'm sure their understanding of the fact that most people's first EP, you know, it's not going to be like the peak of their output. So right. I'm sure like me, they've, they've heard and, and maybe they understand that things might be rough around the edges, but the potential's there and, and it's only going to get better after that. Now that I'm getting better at, at production in general, I'm like embracing making stuff sound fucking disgusting and gross and nasty. I'm kind of learning to like harness that and like like abuse it and just make stuff sound disgusting. Like I'm really happy with how my how my new stuff is sounding. It's great. Uh, I like your usage of disgusting as as like the the ultimate goal. <laughs> yep, that's my that is that is my goal is to make stuff sound disgusting. Some of your promo picks that that you put up when you're posting something, they're just you sort of standing awkwardly in front of random things, and I guess that's that's usually what promo picks are. I guess. But yours just seems so straightforward, I, I guess, <laughs> and not and not like trying to look like you know where there's the band where there there's some you know weird backdrop and they're all looking at different angles. But it's like you with sort of a half grin just in front of a building. Your arms look like they sort of don't know <laughs> where to go. Is that a conscious thing or is that just I need a promo shot here? Let's just take a photo of me standing here. So half of it has been like it was during the pandemic so people weren't like going and interacting with each other and I was just like okay like I guess I'm just gonna do this because like you know I I I wanted to be like respectful of people's people's like space or whatever but like I don't know I mean and I'm just generally awkward like I can't deny that so I guess that's always just gonna come through but like I've got some like actually professionally done like promo shots done like recently uh that look a lot better i have to work with what i can you know it's like just me you know like i I, i'm not established or you know i haven't been like a thing for that long and i'm not like i wasn't like in a in an area where like i had all these like these like photographer people and like everything to like fall back on and everything so i just had to do what i had to do like i said before like i anticipated this to be a thing that like no one would ever know about or care about so it kind of like I kind of have had to be like, okay, I need to like do to like up up my production value with things like like really kick it into gear, you know. But like, uh, I'm I'm starting to get it figured out. Mark, that's all I have for you. Was there anything that I missed that you wanted to mention or promote or go over? My vinyl release is coming out on June 11th. That'll be on my Bandcamp, chokechain.bandcamp.com, and the Phage Tapes Bandcamp, phagetapes.bandcamp.com. And all of my music is name your price, so you can just have it for free if you want. And that'll include my upcoming third EP that will be out pretty shortly before Cold Waves. And I should have that available physically in some form at my merch table, as well as hopefully still there will still be copies of the LP. Uh, I guess I could also say this. I'm doing some tour dates uh, in the fall, along with Cold Waves, just Midwest, uh, just trying to get get back into the groove of going out and playing gigs, you know, runs of gigs and stuff. Cause it's been a few years since I've toured, but yeah. So keep an eye out for that as well.
On this episode, you heard Grave, Blood, and First Strike. Choke Chain can be found at chokechain.bandcamp.com. Our opening music is Euthanasia by Accumination. Our closing music is Messiah by Splinter Group. Subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Join us next week as we chat with Jason Corbett from Actors. Our closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Cold Waves, Jamie Duffy. Here is Eric Strumback again, sharing another one of his memories. Rochester was a crazy, that's the night that Jamie busted his lip. Um, Well, we had spent like five or six days in Canada. The American dollar wasn't going very far. Um, It was some dreary days and some like, I don't know. There were some ups and downs. And then like, it was kind of good to be back in Rochester. Music, uh, Water Street Musical people, they they always kind of treated us really well. And they were really friendly and really receptive to Acumen. That was always a cool show for us to do. And they were playing this game. They were playing this slapping game where they would just drink and they would smack each other in the face as hard. There wasn't a, a rules. It was they were just drinking. And the game was they would smack each other in the face as hard as they can. It was him, Elliot, and Jamie. It was the three of them. They were like locked, three of them, like locked together wrestling. And they all fell together at the same time. And Jamie hit his head. That's how that happened. Dan also took like a bust bucket that had like ice and beer in it at one point. But at the end of the night, it was like some like mostly melted cubes and a ton of freezing water. And somebody's like, get Jamie a towel. Jamie's gushing blood from his lip. Dan just takes this bus bucket and pours it over Jamie's face while he's on the floor next to the couch in the back. And then the next day we were in DC at the 930 club and we had to have an EMT come to the site, reopen and sew his wound in the back, like in the green room. And then he had like this gnarly lip with like a scab and stitches sticking out for the rest of the door.